When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is April 5th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Normally, would be getting prepared for the playoffs right now, getting all prepped up for the NHL playoffs and who the Bruins might be facing. But this year, it's a bit different with the season kind of getting delayed in the middle. We will be going till the end of April uh, with NHL regular season games, which means the playoffs are a little bit farther away. So We discussed a lot of lineup issues today. We also did look a little ahead to the playoffs, which we'll probably do every week, kind of who the Bruins would be facing if the playoffs began that day, how we like their chances against them. Um, So we get into all that stuff, kind of how Jake DeBrusque is looking really good. Just little things, you know, Mark McLaughlin could fill up a huge hole down the line. Maybe not this year, but potentially next. So getting into a lot of good stuff. And my good friend Connor Ryan uh, in this episode of Bruins Beat. Remember, Bruins Beats always presented by our good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And the Bruins coming up on a weird time with the Bruins because they have a game Monday night in Columbus and Tuesday night they're in Detroit. So uh, obviously the, 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 we will not be talking about the Columbus game on Monday, maybe the Columbus game on Saturday, which was a great atmosphere. And Nick Foligno's thousandth, uh, or it was a thousandth or 1500th celebration. Thousandth, so, right? One thousandth. Yeah. One thousandth. Uh, and he got some wine and, you know, we got some, we got some good gifts, you know, but again, he didn't get the char on plane ticket anywhere. That is true. He didn't get that, but I like the painting they had of him where it had it documented every step of along the way of him and his NHL career. So it had like Ottawa, you know, it had Columbus, obviously it had the Bruins. It just didn't have the Maple Leafs. <laughs> it was like, it was like a Stalinization. They like just wiped that out. Like no one remembers this. No, we got that out of there. So good job. It didn't Bruins. happen. Good, that didn't well happen done. at all. Uh, but yes, we will not be discussing the game on Monday night, but there are bigger things to discuss and there's stuff that's become trends uh, over the past week or so. Obviously we talked a lot about the Toronto loss on poke the bear. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time uh, with that. I mean, we'll, we'll glaze over it a bit. Um, but since then, there was the eight to one drubbing of New Jersey. There was the five to win over Columbus on Saturday. Uh, so two solid wins. And one thing that I'm starting to see more and more, and this was kind of the X factor we said after the deadline, where this is the one part of the top nine where things could go haywire. And that is Jake DeBrusque on the top line. And over the past bunch of games, you're starting to see him 
get it, right? Like, obviously, the goals were, were, were coming here and there for him. But the chemistry is looking right with Marshan and Bergeron. And you see on some of these goals, right, some of the passes he's making. I, I know it's New Jersey and Columbus, and these teams are not playoff teams. But it's encouraging to see him, without even really looking, know Marshand is where he is, or Bergeron's in the bumper, and he's completing these passes, and they're scoring goals. And is this kind of a sign that DeBrusque is starting to mesh with this top line and not just short term, but something maybe long term? Yeah, I mean, I think especially maybe just within the the lens of this season, uh, I think we don't have to really fret about the fact that there's any buy in from him or anything like that. It seems like at this point, both parties know kind of what the next step is, which I still imagine he's probably going to get traded in the offseason. But for right now, he's clearly bought in one. He's on the top line and he's producing. So that helps out a lot. And, you know, everyone's <laughs> happy when that's when that's the situation. But I also think you look at what I'm probably most encouraged about is, you know, as you said, when they went on that kind of West Coast trip is when he first kind of started that scoring streak. And goals are goals, right? Um, you know, you'll take them any chance you get. But I think what you're seeing over the last couple of games, especially, it's not just the fact that he's, you know, finding guys like Martian and Bergeron. He's had a couple of really nice setups, especially, which is really encouraging to see. But I think you look at DeBrusque's overall game and kind of just the eye test. It looks more like the DeBrusque we kind of saw from, you know, 2018, you know, 2019, where it's a lot of first guy in. He, you know, he had that one sequence where I think he buried, I think it was, uh, it, uh, Smith. Ty Smith. I, yeah, Ty, Ty Smith. Smith. Yeah, he buried him on the four check. Uh, it creates a turnover, and then they bury a chance right after that. Um, you're just seeing it. You know, it's not like he's reinventing the wheel or doing anything drastic, but with his speed, his straight line speed, he's, you know, getting to pucks first. He's, you know, throwing his weight around a little bit. And again, he's not going to be Nick Ritchie out there. But <laughs> I, I think anyone who saw him, especially during that, you know, the first kind of stretch of his uh, his tenure here in Boston, where he was very assertive, willing to throw his weight around. You're seeing a lot of that more. And again, it's kind of the first gear in terms of what's leading to these successful offensive zone chances for this line, right? Where he's recovering pucks, forcing turnovers, creating havoc more or less. And you've got two great guys in Bergeron and Marsh who can capitalize off of those. So, yeah, I think one, he's probably bought in with what, uh, the the task is on that top line. I, I imagine, I think he even kind of talked about it, that even though maybe he's not playing somewhere else is what I think his end goal is. I think at this point he can kind of take a step back and kind of relax a little bit and know that, all right, you know, we're, we'll address this further down the line, but, but I'm here. I'm in a good spot. Uh, you know, the team, the guys in the room still have my back. I still have theirs. So uh, I think he's just playing simple straight line hockey. And when you've got, two great guys and Martian and Berger on your line with you, the points are usually going to come. He also just looks more engaged in general. I mean, you mentioned yeah. the, the four checks and things, but even like, you know, and this sounds kind of weird, but like his, his sellies are harder, right? Like he's actually yeah. like, he's celebrating goals. And mm-hmm. like, there was that funny uh, clip Nesson got of him on Saturday where he's kind of like running past the camera. And it's like, that was stuff we, that was stuff he did all the time back in, you know, 17, 18, 18, 19, um, and again, these past couple of years from, I think have been difficult and, you know, you seem less engaged, but now you're starting to see that kind of come to the forefront and it's like, huh, that's starting, you know, it's working. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, when you look at the things you worry about with this Bruins team and there are things, right. We talk about it all the time. DeBrusque was always one of them. And, and I think he still might be, but it's more encouraging now that you're getting, 
you know, production, the chemistry's there. He's engaged. He looks like he's bought. And, and you mentioned also like the contract too. Like he's got a more palatable deal that I think he knows in the future can be dealt better than the qualifying offer would have been dealt um, this summer. And it's funny, you know, you, you look bigger picture at the lineup. And I was looking this morning, I was just kind of looking at the lines uh, for Monday's game uh, against the, the Blue Jackets. You got Marshawn Bergeron, DeBrusque, Paul Hall, Apostronach, Frederick Coyle Smith, Felino Nosek Lazar. And I said, huh, that lineup's starting to look a lot like that. Li- that lineup is becoming formed for game one of the playoffs. And, it, and game one is not for a little while here. It's funny that the NBA is starting way before uh, the NHL. Feels like right now we should be starting the NHL playoffs. But um, this is that, those are the four lines. And I think the only, I'm curious if you think there's any other spots lineup that might be up for grabs. Feels like the only spot in that, in the in the four forward lines that might be up is Felino and bleed that feels like the only thing i might tweak d- depending on matchups it feels like felino is probably never going to be taken out of the lineup um you feel like this might be the, the 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 four lines that they got for the playoffs yeah i agree i think the only possible change that i think would be on that fourth line and again i think those guys are interchangeable but whether it's a guy like bleed who can slot in if need be and you know what you're going to get from bleed in terms of Straight line is going to hit everything that moves. Going to piss off a lot of people on the ice. Uh, oh, there's yes. value in that. In even the, even what, even again, a lane, even a lane, even a lane when she was doing yeah. her video. You know, he's going yes. behind, smashing yes. the glass. He's just a he's an agitator. Yeah, he's, that, he's that's gets exactly. out of every skin. Yeah, uh, you. I mean, you look at a guy like that, and again, it's the the playoffs, so it's going to be a war of attrition. You know, there's going to be guys who are banged up. So a guy like bleeds. I think inevitably going to slot into the lineup at some point and his value there. It's kind of the same as a guy like Clifton, right? Like he may not be your, you know, set, uh, you know, six defenseman, but in a pinch, if you need him to slot in there, there's value in that. And I even think a guy like Mark McLaughlin, who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a second. He's a guy that if he, you know, we talk a lot about that goalie hat, which he like ripped, but also like you look at the rest of his game in terms of, um, you know, being tenacious on the floor check, um, there's value in that. If they think maybe he could slot into that fourth line role, maybe give a little bit more of a scoring punch. That's another guy that can slot in there. So I think the fourth line, um, you could see a pretty heavy rotation. It's kind of like uh, the playoffs in 2019, where you had obviously Achari, Corrali, Wagner, and Nordstrom. Like you got four pretty solid guys there. Like it's a good problem to have if those guys can slot in and out. And inevitably, as it happens, you're probably gonna have to rely on all of them. Yes. Oh, yes. And I was about to just get to McLaughlin in the sense that, you know, he had a great debut, scores, uh, incredible scene. His parents went nuts. Uh, and it was just such a cool thing to see a, a hometown kid uh, come in and have that success that early on. But I also think, again, like you mentioned it, the fit, like he's a Bruin, like that dude is a Bruin through and through. And I think the way in which he plays, the tenaciousness playing, you know, uh, on the right side of the puck and all those little things. And granted, it's one game. So again, like, you know, the excitement of your first game can do a lot of crazy things. But I mean, even that goal. And he's a guy, I think, who can slot in on either of those bottom two lines. Like, again, I think if if, if Craig's if something happens to Craig Smith or, you know, Curtis Lazar is not uh, performing the way you need him to or, you know, you want to just kind of mix and match. He's a guy who's big with size, who can skate well, who can go in on those bottom two lines and. You know, I, again, I also think McLaughlin kind of benefits from the sense that the expectations aren't super high with a guy like him, right? Like Ryan Donato had a lot of expectations. It was like, all right, this is this is a wonder kid. He's going to come in and do all these incredible things. I think a lot of times with these undrafted and signed, or well, Donato was drafted, but 
you know, a lot of these college kids yeah. come in and you have these huge expectations for them. Like guy like Tory Krug had no expectations. You mm-hmm. know, he was signed out of Michigan State. He just came in and started dominating. I think with McLaughlin, you know, I do I think McLaughlin's gonna become the forward version of Tory Krug? Probably not. But I do think you could get um something legitimate out of him. And it might be hard for you to talk good about him because he went to BC and that might be something you have to get over. No one's but- perfect, Evan. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everyone says, you know, oh, he's he's living right at home. You can stay right at home in Boston. It's like, no, actually, it's Chestnut Hill. Um, it's Newton. <laughs> it's, Newton. It's, it's Newton. <laughs> but anyways, I, mean, I digress. I have the same thing, feelings you do about BC, so don't worry. Um, I feel like UMass guy can have those same things. I mean, we at yes. least we don't claim. I get annoyed when people say like UMass Amherst or, you know, yes. like... Uh, Someone recent with Bobby Trevino getting signed, people were saying, oh, UMass Amherst forward. And all the UMass people were like, it's it's UMass or Massachusetts. No need for the Amherst. And they're right. I mean, that's not wrong. Or, or, or if they say Amherst, right? You don't like yes, that. That's, yes. Yeah, that's one thing. There's no H in Amherst. It's yes. just Amherst. You know, you just roll her off the tongue. Uh, but a guy like McLaughlin, I mean, is that a guy you could potentially see popping in in the playoffs when needed? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, like a, I think like a Tommy the- Wingles. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, and again, it's kind of what I said earlier about guys just having value in that spot. You look at what McLaughlin uh, can bring in terms of just his straight line two-way play. That's why he was one of the more coveted, you know, college free agents. It's just that he's already got a pretty refined game that even if he's not maybe contributing on the scoreboard that much, he still has value there. It's almost kind of like uh, a guy like Kuhlman, right, where it's, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you don't know exactly what the offensive ceiling is yet, but, you know, he's going to give you a professional two-way game. Um, and I think McLaughlin probably has a little bit more higher offensive ceiling than him because he's got a nasty shot. Like, this is the goal, obviously, which was a rip. But I think he almost had a second goal there, too, where he had another, like, yeah. grade-A chance where he, like, fired. And I think it caught, at that point, whatever goal he was in, I think it was John Gillies. Like, it kind of caught him off guard as well. So, again, that's not to say that McLaughlin's going to be a 20-25 goal scorer, but I think you look at kind of what, the roles that the Bruins are looking for and their, you know, string of success in terms of, you know, building that depth. If we go a year or two down the road and like, you know, you've got a bottom six core where you've got Coyle at three C and Frederick there and uh, McLaughlin and like Johnny Beecher, which again, people will talk. I think it's a different case with Beecher because I think he's still got that first round pick, you know, label over him. But if he becomes at the very least, like let's say his floor is like a souped up, meaner Sean Corrali again people be like well why we get a first pick for it still there's a lot of good value in that if he's like a very very good 4c at the very least that's his floor you've got the makings of a very solid bottom six now again we'll see what happens three years from now when you have to look at your top six when Bergeron's not there that's a bit of an issue but in terms of just building that depth and you know a guy like McLaughlin who could be a a bottom six mainstay for a while. You didn't have to give up a draft pick for him. Didn't have to shell out a big contract, all those things. That's how you, you know, round out that depth and use your, uh, you know, network building or your local connections effectively in terms of finding that depth outside of the college uh, in the college realm, more or less. The local connections. I want to give a a, a scenario in which McLaughlin uh, could actually really save you in a worst case scenario, a good bet that he could save you. But we're talking really good bets. We're talking about our good friends, over at Bet Online, after months and months, actually not after months and months, but after months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the national championship on 
Monday night. And it was a huge thing. It was a huge, huge thing. National championship again. This has happened. The national championship has happened after this podcast has dropped. So I will not uh, go too deep into, uh, who, you know, we'll, we'll give our predictions for who we think won. Uh, but if you want to wager on games similar to this, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. Bet online remains your number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with player props and great contests throughout the year. Your, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So just join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Again, use that promo code CLNS50 to get started for the 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. And everyone is saying this. Everyone is saying it's not just everyone's like a saying people. it. Everyone's saying this. It's crazy. Everyone's saying the same thing. You know, I, I was, you know, when I'm at the bar, everyone, that's what everyone's talking about. You know, you go up. Bet online, easiest, fastest way to bet on all your favorite sports games. Like, boom, easiest conversation starter. You want, you know, you want to, you want to pick up friends at a bar or pick up, you know, if you're a guy or girl or girl, a guy or whomever talk bet online. That's, that's the that's, real that's, way. Yes. That's how you, can you don't act. need to watch hitch. Just like, no, uh, especially now Will Smith kind of have his own yeah. scenario. Just <laughs> bet online. Bet online. Skip the whole movie. Don't even any, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to say, Hey, like, where are you from or anything? You just be like, you bet online. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, the game oh. starts. They, the game they know. Starts. They, they know. They know, Evan. They absolutely know. Uh, what's your prediction for the that happened after, but what do you think is going to happen? Evan, I pick Kansas every single year to win the national championship and it has blown up in my face <laughs> year after year after year. And my bracket this year is straight up dog doo doo. It is bad. So, you That's know what? Tough. It's going to be fitting if my bracket's already been, you know, knocked to smithereens and they win. So I'm going to say Kansas finally wins and it means it will mean nothing for me. Like, I'm not going to win my I'm not going to win my pool, but go Jayhawks. I think Kansas wins, too. I do think, though, I've never been a guy who picks Kansas every year because they always heartbreak people. Mm-hmm. Mine, my, I had like three brackets this year. Two of them had Arizona. One had Gonzaga. I believe those two were going to be the teams, and they were out, I think, in like the Sweet 16. So yes. um, I think Kansas will win. Uh, I'm surprised at North Carolina. That North Carolina-Duke game was terrific yes. on Saturday. Um, very surprised by how that went down. But uh, we'll leave Prime the basketball. Twitter day. Prime Great Twitter, Twitter day, by the yes, way. Yes, for all the Duke, Duke losing fans. is always a good day on the uh, the interwebs. We had at NCAA, we had so many, uh, we had so much like good video content about Coach K, and a lot of stuff was very good. And I'm, I'm I'm not anti Coach K, but I do kind of treat Duke like the Yankees, like it's like mm. you know they're a little you know elitist and all that stuff. Um, but I, I do think like the stuff was like, oh, this is actually like really good. You know, Coach K, they're making we're making Coach K Coach K seem like a really good dude as he as he is as he yes. is. Uh, didn't love his, his players leaving the court though, before, uh, no. shaking hands. That was a very Tom Brady like move. Yes. Um, so the scenario for Mark McLaughlin, segue right back into hockey. Uh, the scenario for Mark McLaughlin, I was just thinking this as you were talking was, you know, Jake DeBrusque is going to get traded in the off season. We're pretty much all certain that that's going to take place. And let's say you can't get a forward. Let's say in some weird way, you can't secure a top six forward, whether it be Lysel isn't ready or uh, free agency doesn't provide you it, or you can't make a trade or whatever it is, right? Let's say McLaughlin fits. Let's say McLaughlin actually makes an impact in the playoffs somehow or down the stretch. And suddenly you can put him on that third line and you could potentially move Craig Smith up to that top line, right? Craig Smith, again, is not stuck 
with uh, Martian and Bergeron, but Hey, it takes time with a guy like Craig Smith. And you do wonder, you know, in a worst case scenario, McLaughlin at least kind of could provide that where it's like, Oh, you don't have to give up anything for this. You have it. It's in the system. Maybe that could work. Right. And again, I don't think that's not people's favorite thing. I don't think that would get people excited. Uh, I, you know, and I think there are bigger problems this off season, like, you know, down the middle. Uh, but I do think that's another option for you, you know, if, if you really needed it. So going to be interesting to see if that, if that kind of plays itself out. I, I still think they're during the off season, again, this is stuff we'll get to a while away from now, but I do think during the off season, they're going to get a top six winger or Lysel is going to pan out. Like they're going to figure something out with the, with that top line uh, right wing spot. But if it's, you know, moving Smith up, moving McLaughlin in, who knows? Um, in that, in that one thing that has not been um, super unsteady this year has been in net with Olmark and Swayman. Swayman, tough outing against Toronto uh, last Tuesday, but rebounds nice against Columbus. The hugs have been the same. Uh, you know, there's no, uh, you know, um, there's no anger in the hugs. You know, it's like, oh, I'm taking my job now, you know, or anything. No, no but it passive seems like aggressive. No passive aggressive hugs. Um, but I think it is good to see a guy like Swayman rebound because, again, I think come the playoff time, if he's the starter like we think he's going to be, he's going to have to rebound in some games. Did you like what you saw from a guy like from, from Swayman on Saturday? Um, I thought he was solid. I, I, he definitely got stronger as the game went on. Uh, it was rough out of the gate. I think he let up, what, two goals on the first six shots, and they weren't like they were exactly, you know, ozone mastery from Columbus, right? I mean, he kind of wasn't able to glow of that one puck kind of skitters out and they bury that one. And then the second one was, I think uh, like a rebound right in front, which has kind of been the, one of the more bigger flaws with Swimman's game so far, along with like handling the puck, which he still is kind of shaky on. So good to see him kind of tighten it up as the game went on. Um, still like to have him, you know, work on some of those. And I think some of those issues you saw earlier on in the year with rebound or, you know, handling the puck or things like that starting to spread up a little bit again. Um, but again, you look at, kind of the situation here and there could be many factors that build into it. It's whether it's uh, you know, we're kind of getting to uncharted territory for Swayman in terms of his reps. Like this is, you hope that, you know, you don't want to have a guy hitting a wall, especially leading into the playoffs. But um, this is why they went out and got a guy like Olmark though. Right. Like, and even though Olmark's been steady, maybe not spectacular, but is a very, very solid backup guy. This is why you got him. Right. Because if whether it's, you know, get, you know, giving Swayman a little bit more rest down the stretch here or, you know, saving him for one or two of these maybe more primetime matchups. That's why you have a guy like Omar that can kind of be that safety blanket that can give him uh, some time to rest and recuperate because the last thing you want, this team could be rolling going to the playoffs and you could become the 2021 Penguins, right? Where you look like a wagon and your goaltending just implodes. It's the last thing you want to have happen. So, um, Definitely better than the Toronto game. That game, he just kind of, like the whole rest of the team, just seemed off. Um, so it'll be interesting just how he handles it down the stretch here, especially when you look at the last couple of weeks of the season. They've got quite a few pretty daunting matchups on, on track. So if we go down that stretch and he's got like an 880 save percentage in those games, then you're like, oh, okay, that's not, not, <laughs> not great. Good. But uh, just in terms of the amount of reps, though it's good to have a guy like old mark there that can even make it a 50 50 55 45 split something like that yeah i mean it's funny you know, obviously at the blue jackets monday night at the red, red. Wing, you're at detroit on tuesday you're at tampa on friday you're at washington on sunday and then you have the blues coming to town remember that team 
Mm. Remember them? Oh, that's, uh, you know, crazy. It's funny. I was just thinking maybe was that the first time since game seven, but it wasn't. The first time after game seven that they were back was early in that 19 season when Chara like absolutely crushed. Was it Sammy Blay? Someone was going uh, through middle ice and he, it was, uh, ab- no, it was Sunquist, right? Cause it was, it was, oh, it was, it was after he hit Grizzlick. So. Grizzly, Grizzly. There yeah. it was. And they won like three to one or three. It was one of those games. It was where they- like Bjork's. Yeah. Bjork's got a goal. That was one like, like the, uh, the blues Twitter account called him like Andres, Andres yes. Bjork. Andres Bjork. Like, oh, that's I have- the thing I remember from that game. But yes. That was, were- that was also a, that was a fantastic game too, because the entire lead up, obviously like, the narrative was like, Oh, first, time back is it gonna be a revenge game everyone's like no no it's not and they just like punched them in the face the entire game like that again that was they, that first hit but they were like going after them if yeah. only they could have done that uh a few months before. alas alas, alas. Evan. anyways that's a very tough uh schedule coming up not easy so i do think uh and it gets me thinking about the playoffs right we're already kind of discussing the playoffs a bit and again the standings will look different tuesday when you're listening to this uh, or they could look different. Maybe they won't, but they could. Uh, right now, the Bruins would be slated. They are the fourth spot in the Atlantic, only uh, two points behind both Toronto and Tampa. So right now, you would be the wild card spot, which is fine. I mean, like you're right in the thick of it. You'd be playing Carolina if the playoffs started today. And I, I just kind of go back to, I don't love that matchup because that Carolina team looks good. And they're coached well. And it's not a team. I mean, again, like this is different than the 19 Hurricanes or the 2020 Hurricanes, who you had no problem beating either time. This is a stronger team with better goaltending. And I I just look at and granted, they're not playing that like the playoffs don't start today. But I just look ahead to what that matchup could be. And I just feel like a matchup with the Hurricanes would just deflate. You know, it just kind of deflates and like, oh, like all the hype and all the great parts of the second half and the lead up and the good trade deadline. And then you got to play Carolina. Like, do yeah. you, how do you feel about that Carolina matchup? Uh, not particularly thrilled. I mean, again, I think regardless of who the Bruins play, whether it's Carolina, Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, they're probably not the favorite in any of those matchups. Correct. And I think, I think they can win any of those matchups too. It's Agreed. going to be tough, but if you're looking at probably the, easier path and i'll say that now knowing that full well again they're gonna have an uphill climb whichever way they go you still probably feel better about that either the two or three seed and you play either tampa who again they're legit or toronto who smoked you the last couple times you played them but we also know what their kind of far is as well so uh i think out of like those four though between uh florida carolina tampa and uh, toronto I still like think maybe Carolina is the most intimidating one just in terms of, I think it's not just like the personnel they have, but I think it's just matchup wise. Um, they've roasted you every single time with that four check they have there. And again, maybe it helps out that you have a guy like Lindholm who's a bit of an equalizer there, but you look at just how opportunistic they are. Um, how much they kind of give you fits with how aggressive they are on the four check. They've got a very aggressive penalty kill, which if you look at, the Bruins, when they've kind of hit a rut with their their power play over the years or over this season, it's a lot of PK units that pressure you up high, that just drop you, don't let you get settled. And Carolina's like the original OG, like, like power kills, what they call it, right? Where they're just super aggressive. Um, so that's a team that I think matchup wise is pretty daunting. And again, 
we can spin the pros and cons of any of these matchups. You can talk about Toronto, like, well, they've got an Achilles heel, but they've also kicked your ass the last couple of times. Tampa Bay, you've played them very well in the regular season, but they still, you know, Vasilevsky can just go unconscious. And even if you're putting your best foot forward, sometimes it doesn't mean it doesn't matter that much, right? Like, so whichever team they face is going to be difficult, but if I had to, you know, you had to tell me which one team I'd rather avoid, I'd probably still go with, uh, with Carolina. 100%. I'd pick, I'd rather play Florida over Carolina right now. I mean, again, nothing against Florida. I just don't like, again, there's not a lot of, you know, I think when you have that playoff success and you eventually have it, it comes after like years of trudging through playoff series, like Washington um, and even the Bruins in the, in, before 2011, like you think of what all they went through, Florida hasn't gone through much as a good team, right? They've rebuilt but they haven't had to go through many different playoff series and playoff grinds um, to get to where they are now or to get to playoff success um, with Toronto, man, Matthews looks good. Like any, he, and he's you know, better and better defensively and stuff. And it's like, Oh, he's actually rounding into form. Um, I actually will say I was looking through and I, I never do this because especially getting the Maple Leafs because the, t- the comments are always toxic. But the YouTube comments, I think it was either the poke the bear we did or the garden uh, video we did. A, a Maple Leafs fan commented and said, hey, like, wanted to see what the other side was saying. I really enjoyed you guys. And I was like, huh. Trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> I was like, they're catching me while I'm like, off guard here. They're going to, like, attack when I kind of let them in. Um, but, yeah, Carolina is the one matchup I I, that's the one that I, I would probably go against the Bruins the most. And because again, I, I've, we've said this all year, like Florida beatable, T- Toronto beatable, Tampa tough, but I think there is a route to beat them. Carolina feels like they're just a, a wagon or a team that's meant to go further than the first round. And you maybe aren't when you're up against them. So again, a long time until the playoffs, it's less than a month, but still like it's April and we're not at the playoffs yet. So only playoffs that are happening in Boston is the frozen four, but Thursday and Saturday, I think I'll be at both. You, you will be there Thursday, correct? I'll be there Thursday this weekend. I'll be down in DC. So DC. Yes. Heading to DC. You'll be at the Bruins on Sunday. Um, so, uh, frozen four stuff going to be fun. Make sure to go to NCAA.com for all that stuff for, for me and all my musings and things I do. Maybe you'll see me on camera a few times, uh, which is, you know, big, big stuff. You know, I gotta make sure I look good. Um, anyways, Connor, uh, where can the people see your stuff? What, what should they be looking forward to the memes, the stories, all that stuff. Yeah, in terms of the stories, uh, all that stuff will be over at bostonsportschannel.com. Again, as we kind of get to the home stretch here, the regular season, we'll have all the stuff we roll it every day in terms of game reports, columns, previews, breakdowns, all that good stuff. Still working on a a couple of features that we're excited to drop uh, in the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the postseason. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. Want to follow me on Twitter for the memes? You can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 